We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Um, welcome in. It is Monday morning, 641 where I'm at, probably 741 where a lot of you are, and uh, the 2nd of 2023. Uh, how was your New Year, Scott? Uh, did you enjoy yourself? You, we already kind of talked about it on my end, but what did you end up doing? It was good. I went over to a neighbor's house, and they had a lot of – there were some old college football players there, a guy who kicked named uh, Lockie. That I got to meet. He uh, he kicked for the Clemson team in '81 that won the national championship. So that was fun. Oh, watch, cool. watch Michigan TCU. Watch Georgia. I was in bed for the end of the Georgia game, but I did watch it. Um, yeah. So I was awake at, at at midnight. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> way too Speaking late of old white dudes. Yeah, this way too late. Those games. I feel bad for you people on the East Coast. Like the kickoff what do you mean is you people. Yeah, you people, you know, on the East, what was the kickoff time? 8 p.m. for that start of that well, game? By the time a- they kick off, it's about 8.30, and then those games go four, college games go four hours. They're, they're, uh, they really need to put a shot clock on the replays, 20 seconds. And yeah. if you can't, you know, I, I've said this before, I've, I've ranted about this 100 times. Oh, this is a really close one. This is a really tough call. No, I hate to make this call. You don't have to make the call. Don't make the call. The call's already been made on the field. If it takes more than 20 seconds for me to decide if he screwed up or not, play ball. Enough. The, the inside the five, the goal line stuff where they review, is he in, is he not? Was he crossed? Was he, oh, my God. It's mind-numbing. Yeah. Anyway, welcome in, everybody. Bit. Yes, I did finish my coffee. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say hello to some people hopefully finishing their coffee up while we get started a little bit late today. Kevin Gray saying, morning Broncos country. Nick Scott, well, at least it was a fun game to watch. I'm in agreement there. However, very frustrating because it felt like the Broncos had a very much a chance to win and uh, some 50 50 calls i guess going against the broncos is how i'll put it out there maybe a little less than that um but uh, i said i'm hoping we get uh harbaugh to fix the offensive line denver broncos for life hope you had a good new year's it was good we got our guy ethan coming in always good to see you good afternoon jensen broncos country ryan slavic coming in saying good morning broncos country competent coaching makes a huge difference as seen on sunday i really do hope we land harbaugh we need a complete culture change and out of anyone he can do that absolutely we got a guy patriot tex coming in kicking us off here first super chat of the new year uh, on my end i'm sure you guys had some last night but i appreciate you coming in patriot tech saying only broncos news that'll excite me now is hearing john uh jim harbaugh is going to be our new head coach we need a culture of toughness in denver and man even before we get started on the game here a multiple uh jim harbaugh conversations here um it does sound like the Broncos are going to make a serious push on Jim Harbaugh. You've heard me talk about that on here for, I guess, since uh, Hackett's been fired, um, that Harbaugh was very much something that the Broncos had their eye on. And now we have national reporters, pro football talk, um, NBC sports, et cetera, et cetera, talking about the Broncos making a legitimate push 
on Jim Harbaugh coming to Denver. So uh, any thoughts on that, Scott? I mean, this is sounds like Harbaugh is what the Broncos fans want. Well, and Patriot Techs, appreciate you coming in green for us. Happy New Year, my friend. And um, I'm pr- I'm proud of you, y'all. I mean, this is a this is a obviously a a football savvy group that's in here like this, and not the Twitter reactionary. I I said earlier today, Nick. You know, this is a, a real hot take here, but uh, you know the the narrative is too reactionary, and I mean that. I was talking about players evaluations, or you know, this guy's trash. You know, he had a bad game. Why would we want him? And I, I expected to start seeing that when TCU jumps up on Michigan. Uh, you know, why would we want Jim Harbaugh? No, everybody in everybody in this chat's still like, oh, we still want Jim Harbaugh. Forget, forget that. I'm like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to be in a position again where your biggest problem was you were losing Super Bowls and you can't get over the hump? I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've called Denver Broncos fans spoiled before. I get it. No, I was like that with the Braves. You know, the Braves were perennial playoff teams that lost 14 straight series. In the uh, in the postseason, so I get it. And the this the shine the luster's come a little bit off of Harbaugh at Michigan because they have lost six straight bowl games. Now, to be fair, only one of those mattered that I remember. I think this was a they may have made a playoffs before. Okay, so it was last the year they one. got killed by Georgia. Okay, so they're they're zero and two in playoffs, and um they didn't play poorly. That loss, I don't put that loss on Harbaugh. You know, I mean, there's a, you know, JJ has a couple of bad throws, a couple of calls go against you. That's the game. That's a pretty good team on the other side over there too. That Harbaugh to the Denver Broncos, that would be something that would excite me as a, as a Denver Broncos fan. I would be, I would be very excited because he's not just a college coach who's out talenting 12 out of four teams that he plays. He's got a track record in the NFL. He, mm-hmm. he This is a, a retread NFL coach who's, done nothing but win wherever he's been yeah yeah i mean some of the stuff probably on harbaugh for that loss because he is the head coach Uh, i thought that michigan did a pretty poor job in terms of figuring out how to run against that three three five stack uh it just felt like they were pounding their head against a brick wall the whole game and harbaugh is the offensive line in the run game um as far as the scheming goes points did they score a lot um i mean it's a long game and they they put up I was like, remember when it was 21-9 in the third quarter? Good times. Good times. <laughs> was it 42 <laughs> points scored in the third quarter or something insane? Um, and also you have the J.J. McCarthy pick six. I mean, it's not all on him, um, but I thought the the three three five. there was just way too many uh, zero, uh, what do they call it, run stops for zero yards or negative yards when you are Michigan <laughs> with bigger, faster, stronger than the Texas Christian front. But they, he had a hard time with that three three five. Anyway. We're really getting to the nitty gritty now instead of the Bronco game. But yeah, Jim Harbaugh would be a welcome addition to me. I think he's far and away my number one uh, for the Broncos. I keep seeing Dan Quinn tossed in the same breath as Jim Harbaugh. And I don't get it um, as far. I think Dan Quinn is a obvious uh, step back, step down from Jim Harbaugh. Um, but again, uh, I think it's I think it's a little bit of hedging um, from the Broncos media and PR side of things, because my understanding is they got eyes for Harbaugh. But if they don't get Harbaugh and they get Quinn, they're going to try to prop up that we liked Quinn just as much as Harbaugh because, of course, we did. Don't be mad about us getting our second choice. It'll be one of them. Gary coming in, uh, Broncos Orange. Appreciate you, Gary. Happy New Year to you as well. Mm-hmm. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. I'm curious to know your thoughts on Rossberg. Uh, love to Broncos country. And, and right back at you. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, hey, would you be interested in a 10-year, $250 million contract? N- no? Okay, well, we never offered that guy anyway. Yeah. This was always our first choice. You don't make the actual formal offer until you've already gotten a yes. 
That way you can say you never offered anybody else. That's kind of how it works. And Gary, thoughts on Rossberg. Um, Put a video up of him talking uh, yesterday on the YouTube channel and on the Mile High Huddle YouTube channel and, and was perusing the comments on there. And for the most part, it was a lot of Broncos country felt the way I did. It's like, this guy's winning the press conference. He he really is. Um, as far as game management and stuff goes, that could be a, you know, I, I don't know as, as closely, you know, it's a small sample size, but we're talking about, you know, we use the phrase adult in the room a lot. This guy has a presence. Mm-hmm. He, he does. He, he, he has a, he has a presence and a sense of competency and, He's he's done really well. Uh, I think one of the comments I really liked and shout out, I, you know who you are, said it's a shame. It may have been 78 Leadhead. I'll call him out anyway. Um, said it's a shame that it's taken for this long, for, really for this long for this guy to be out in front of the media like this because he's really, really good at it. Um, so I've, been, I've enjoyed the short time I've had to get to meet Jerry Rossberg as uh, head of the Broncos. Yeah, and I see some I'm not in here yet. I haven't gotten all the way down in the chat, but uh, some conversation about him coming back as a special teams coach. He did that for a number of years with John Harbaugh. Maybe he'd be interested in doing that. The fact that he was retired and out of the league for a while makes me think that that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but I mean, you never know. Again, it, 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 this will boil down to what does he want to do? Mm-hmm. What does he want to do? Because I think someone coming in again with Evero, with Rosberg, those are guys, those are good coaches. You know, so yeah, do you want to say you were almost retired? Now, was that because, you know, you didn't quite have, it was a new regime and they didn't want the old guy. They wanted to bring their own guy and you didn't feel like hustling for it. Well, you got the job now. Do you want it or not? So a lot of it will, will, will boil down to what does Jerry Rosberg want to do? I would think he would be a very good option for whoever wants to come in. And I think, you know, you hit a, you hit a certain age and we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For a guy like this, the ego won't be there. You know, yeah. sometimes you worry about, you know, is he going to undercut me or the guys? Is he trying to climb up? Does he want this job? No, man. He just wants what's at this point. He wants to to enjoy what he's doing and do what's best for the club and do a good job doing it. 
he's not worried about ladder climbing or you know the yeah. ego of stuff. That that would be I think he'd be a fantastic addition. But it will he's also at the point of his life where it will be up to him. Do you oh. want to do this or not? You know what? No. I'd rather be back and do a consultant and work eight hours a day instead of 16. Yeah. Um, and I don't want the daily grind of being a, 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 uh, an NFL coach, but I'd love to be involved with this team. That could, that could still happen. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. We've got Colin Woods coming in saying Rossberg looked like a real head coach. It sounds like the practices were good this week. It sounds like there was a spirit of competition uh, that we haven't had in Denver this year. I think, yeah, I mean, you keep, we keep talking about Harbaugh coming in. That's one of the first things I see next year. Every single person out there, you're re-earning your spot. I don't care what your contract says. I don't care what the name on the back of your jersey says. You're coming in zero and uh, building credit and going back and out there and winning. I know some people won't like that. You can't treat you know, your stars that way. But I, th- I think this team, nobody on this team really, in my opinion, has earned the right to come in and walk in and not fight for their spot. So that's one thing I like about what we've heard with Rossberg is there's been some clawing and scratching and competition in there this week. You want to be a star? You better give me a star effort. Why are you a star? Everybody, nobody, you're going to go into this offseason at what? Four, four and 13, five and 12 at best. Yeah. There, there, there are no sure things. You didn't, nobody's earned it. It's got to be re-earned. The only thing that I would just about guarantee is who's on the team based on contracts. Yeah. But playing time shouldn't be guaranteed at all. Nope. Not at all. Come in and work. Joel come in and saying, if Jim Harbaugh's our coach, we get a solid offensive line, remain healthy, look out. Absolutely. It'll the Broncos. I mean, they're one of the, we talked about it last year with the Falcons having incredible one score game luck. I and mean, the Vikings this year, I think are uh, 11 and 0 in one score games or something unbelievable. Um, talk about a regression candidate for next season. Uh, but Broncos very much a positive regression candidate next year with injuries, with competent coaching, with the one score games, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it's a gambler's fallacy. Don't bet on that because the odds reset every single year. If you look at the larger sample size, you would assume that it would, but it resets because those other ones already happened in the past. It's like flipping a coin every time it's 50 50. It doesn't matter, but the last not coin for me, four. it's not. <laughs> it matters. Um, but uh, no, it's <laughs> I'm like definitely... one for four on calling, maybe at best. That's why I, I think I told you play the one time I won big, you know, big. I was a kid, 100 bucks was big to me making $5 bets was the first time I played craps and mm. I realized, wait, I can win by losing. Oh, I'm all over this. <laughs> I won everything. I bet to lose, you know, I'd, I'd be my role. And they're like, don't pass. They're like, wait, you're betting on yourself to lose. I'm like, yes, I am. And I'd win every time. And then the gambling gods figured out I was cheating the system and they hammered me back the next day. And now Scott um, Love is covering the NFL draft. Cause when you, but, uh, lose, Joel, you, you know, Joel, I, if Jim is our coach, that, which is the least likely of these three? If you're looking at, because those are those are those are, our, are three ifs right there, and you know any one of those ifs make it tough, but they're all possible. Mm-hmm. They are definitely all possible. Rank those those ifs. What which are the easiest and the hardest? Um, I think easiest is probably getting. Well, some of these are sub, multiple of them are subjective. What is remain healthy compared to what the league average is? No team is completely healthy. What is a solid line? I think only probably find five, five, bleh, five fan bases in the entire NFL would feel like a majority of the fans have a solid offensive line where then you have everybody else screaming about it. And then like 10 teams that are actually got awful on the offensive line. Um, so if I had to go with an order here, 
And you also have the caveat of having Russell Wilson, which just makes spit it, it out. Don't overthink it. Okay. Number How one reaction, is, Nick, uh, Jim Harbaugh, probably number one, most likely number two, then is wow. probably out of these things. I mean, I think the, then it's followed by a solid offensive line and then it's probably remain healthy. Um, so I'm, Harbaugh, I'm starting from where you are and do you see improvement? Yeah. And I rank it that the easiest one of these for me is to improve the offensive line. That, that should be the easiest to, to see improvement there. Next for me would be to improve your health of the team. The the team should remain, you, you make some changes and you get a, a few more, I hate to say breaks, but that's what came to mind. A few more breaks go your way yeah. and you should be a little bit more healthy. And then Jim Harbaugh is, I'd still put the odds of that below 50% um, just because he's making a ton of money at Michigan and Michigan is one of the premier football jobs in this country, regardless of um, NFL versus NCAA. You know, don't tell me that Nick Saban's job is less prestigious than all but like three NFL jobs. You know, yeah. he's he's a he's a god down there. Um, so I think that would probably be the hardest for me. The easiest would be to improve the offensive line. Uh, yeah. Diego coming in yellow. Appreciate the super Diego. He says, "Good morning, fellas. Hope you had a happy new year. I went to my first Broncos game yesterday, and I got a picture with PS2. Well, that's very cool." I thought we played well yesterday, but damn, the refs were awful. A couple big calls. Let's let's touch on those before we get accused of glossing over those, Nick. Well, the number one was the offensive pass interference called on Cortland Sutton on a third down that wiped out a 44-yard uh, pass reception on a third and long. The Broncos end up punting then after that and then give up 14 points in a blink of an eye. Uh, they had the lead when that penalty happened, and then just like that, um, it snowballs. Russell Wilson throws a god awful interception mm-hmm. that um, one was bad that god god awful uh what are you doing um and uh the broncos end up losing the game uh probably you could probably point back to that one the, the momentum changing i mean the field position would have been completely flipped that one that one sucked uh, i know that sort of sutton and him uh sutton and the defensive back did touch hands but it did not it looked like general call, hand man. fighting it, okay it's a yeah, it's I, a crap call that doesn't get called 99 times out of 100 it doesn't yeah. get called if anything, they call it on the the defensive guy. I mean, I talk about you know what's fair and what's not fair. How defensive backs are treated in this league is unfair. Um, yeah. They're allowed to. They're not allowed to do anything. And the offensive guy is usually allowed to get away with assault. The fact that they called that was a joke. Uh, I mean, I hate it when people use that phrase in writing. Oh, it's a joke. That was a that one was a joke. That was a travesty. And. You know, we we've gone back and forth. Some of uh, some of us as MHH hosts and stuff talking about the defense did this, the defense did that, and the the Broncos have momentum, and defense get a stop. I'm like, here we go. You know, yeah. here we because I watched this after I was watching this. Uh, I watched this last night, and again some of it this morning. I'm like, there's the stop. Yeah. There's the stop you needed. Now, what does the offense do? Oh, they got they got screwed by the ref. The offense actually did really well, and it wasn't even that. Oh, they called it wrong Sutton made the catch yeah. you know even if, if no call here and they're they're rolling positive yep. momentum should be points on the board etc cetera, etc cetera. now bad calls happen and this team is not good enough right now to overcome adversity that's yep. where they they need to take that next step because when things start going bad for this team and that's why you end up four and 13 yep. you know is is when things start going bad you don't recover um that one was bad. And then, you know, I saw some talk about the the belly to back suplex at the end of the game that was put on Russ. That that's that's roughing. Yep. You know, let's let's cue up Grady Jarrett on uh 
Tom Brady on Tom Brady and compare that to what uh, what Jones did to to Wilson and it's not even close. Yeah. Um, you're not allowed to sling a guy to the ground like that anymore. Um, like I said, that's a that's a good belly to back suplex, uh, Michael Hayes style. Shout out to anybody who remembers the Freebirds. And there were a few other calls in this one that uh, were questionable. Um, the Kadarius Tony. Um, reception down the far uh, sideline looked like pretty obvious offensive pass interference. He did that. Uh, they don't call offensive pass interference. That was my point, Nick. Well, that one was much more egregious than what we saw versus Justin Simmons and uh, the refs out there doing their best bird box interpretation. And then also you had the potential offsides there at the end of the game when on that fourth down, the guy's head was in the neutral zone, the ball snapped and uh, no call there. So Definitely a game where the Broncos felt like they got a little bit jobs. The offensive pass interference is the most egregious one. I will say, though, this isn't a game that the Broncos got no breaks. Um, they had some of them that were their own um, doing, but the special teams, I mean, to see that Alex Singleton punched the ball out on a punt return and then you get the ball at the, what was it, the 12, the 8, something like that. I mean, that's a break that you don't get very often. You created the break. Let's be real, but that's still something that you got the advantage of. And then uh, also a Patrick Mahomes interception in the end zone uh taking points off the board so it's not like the broncos completely deserved to win this game and it was ripped out this was a 50 50 game and a call like that makes a difference and the fact that you went into kansas city coaching change terrible and i need, we need to get into this it's kind of hard to even analyze but horrible uh effort by your defensive front and the pass rush was just god awful um you had nobody out there but uh <laughs> The fact that you're able to come into this situation and have a toss toss up 50 50 game against the Chiefs, maybe a moral victory. Just feel bad for the guys because they work super hard and uh, have this streak extended to the offseason 15 games in a row. It sucks. So I feel bad for the players in that regard. And Gary coming in, and, and that's what that was Rossberg's. And we can play that if you want to. Uh, his message I feel bad. I feel really bad for the players and the fans. It was a, it was a good message. Uh, check it out on my high huddle. It's got about 9,000 views already. Because then he finishes off importantly, he says, but it wasn't good enough. You know, yep. we can talk about this, this, and this, but it wasn't good enough. It's a, it's again, Jerry Rosberg has, has won the press conferences. And you know, he's winning the locker room like that with a commanding presence. Um, Gary Palmer coming in green second time. So he's, he's going for the brace. That's, uh, that's goal scoring talk for two goals, hockey, soccer, whatever. Uh, I agree that Harbaugh is one. But do we agree on that? Is Harbaugh one or would it be Peyton? And he's already been told, no, that it's not going to be Peyton. But what is the B plan, the backup plan? By the way, that was one of the worst officiating I've ever seen. And again, nobody here is saying the Broncos win that game. But let's be fair about it. You know, it doesn't change the fact. A bad call doesn't – winning and losing doesn't change the fact that those were bad calls. Does that affect winning and losing? certainly didn't help. That one, I will promise you. Uh, Backup plans. You think Quinn – is uh is plan B Quinn and Frank Reich uh, seem to be plan B and plan C there. They want to bring in somebody with a head coaching experience. I personally think that overcorrection is always poor that I guarantee you this year, um, the Broncos are going to go from one of the youngest staffs in football to the oldest staff in football, because nobody can ever just reset things. Um, I feel like it's an emotional uh, reaction versus an analytical one. When you do something like that, but the big caveat on this is that you have Russell Wilson in here. You need somebody with, some skins on the wall, so to speak, that can come in and be like, nope, this is how we do things. We have established culture here. You need to listen to me as the head coach. I'm going to put you in the best position mm-hmm. to succeed. You're not calling the shots here. I'm. It's my job to make you look good, but it's my job to make that decision of what look you looking good is. Which is which is what we said about Hackett a lot. It's like you know you can acquiesce or you know 
give in and all this stuff, but who's the one that's going to be the first gone? Yeah. You know, you know, step up and, and do it your way. Like, like I've said a bunch, Hackett was fired a month ago. You know, yeah. you could tell, you saw the demeanor, his demeanor changed as far as he wasn't all jumpy giddy anymore. You know, it was yeah. very calm, very matter of fact, like he's gone. Yeah. He knows he's gone. He's already yeah. been gone. The, 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 the Christmas day debacle just accelerated the timeline. Um, so, uh, Quinn and Reich could be, could be right there too. And I don't think there's going to be as many openings this year as well as, is one of the things I'm hearing. Um, Colin Wood coming in. Good morning, Colin. Hope you're doing well. Um, talking about, you know, one of our lost sheep. He says, uh, I wonder if the return of Albert O and, uh, it's always fun trying to listen to announcers say Okuwebin on for the first time. They give up by the third quarter and just say Albert O. Um, Alberto had a solid game, but I want to talk about him a little bit because he was a he was a talking point yesterday in last night's chat. I wonder if the return of Albert O has more to do with Dulcich being injured or Hackett being gone. So, what did you see from Albert O, and what did you what did you think when you saw him about Collins Collins' question or his pondering, so to speak? I think that if Dulcich was not injured, you would not have seen Albert O in this game. Um... Alberto had a couple of good plays in here, but he had a couple also boneheaded, not boneheaded, that's the wrong word, but just like inexplicable drops uh, that were right in the breadbasket. And you can't have that when you are a tight end. Also, he's uh, not good in the run blocking department. I know that's typically you have to focus in on that to, to see that. And I guess take my word for it. Uh, really not very good at the point of attack, despite being what six foot five, 260 pounds. It's pretty crazy. I did look, he looked like he was making a little bit more effort uh, in that department, which is half the battle for the tight end. So maybe something to watch the, uh, this last game of the year. Uh, but I think it has much more to do with Dulcich uh, getting injured and being out for the season than it is Alberto and the change of the staff here. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is Alberto was shelved after week three and Dulcich didn't come into week six last this season so um albert o was benched for albert o um and, and it could have been hackett now i agree with you i didn't we didn't i didn't lead you into this or anything but the talk of albert o i think was a little premature based on a stat line and a touchdown he looked really uncomfortable catching the ball uh and that could be from a lack of timing or whatnot but you know catching the ball is pretty pretty basic you know it's yeah it's Something you do your whole life. Now, all the other things, one, you know, we talked about can Dulcich make an impact? Yes, as a big receiver in the slot, he can come in and play early, and he has. And catching the ball is like riding a bicycle. Yeah. And he had a couple drops, even on that touchdown catch. My goodness, he fought that ball in and almost dropped it. And then yeah. I was going to ask you, because you want you pay very close attention to this. You know, where does he grade as a blocker compared to to Beck or Saubert or those type of things? Does he does he compare? Because as a receiver, I think we'd probably agree, even just on a short sample size, that Dulcich is a better option as a receiver. And if and if he's fighting the ball and he's having trouble blocking, well, I can see why he hasn't yeah. been playing a ton, um, despite the uh, you know the, uh, the the solid production game. He was fighting it, man. He was fighting yeah. the ball. I mean, he's a niche player. Uh, he is massive and fast in a straight line. And if you want to call some plays where he's trying to split the safeties or run in the seam, that's great. Uh, he probably needs to be better in the run blocking and pass blocking department. He also probably needs to bring some special teams uh, value that we haven't seen from him to be that limited as a tight end. Uh, so 
he's a he's a very fun and unique player as term in terms of the skill set that he has, but not well rounded enough and gotta make the simple plays out there. As far as blocking goes, I mean Greg Dulcich is a pretty poor blocker right now. I think he's a much more nuanced uh, player in the past game, much more quick and body control and sure-handed than Okoebenam. Okoebenam is faster vertically uh, than him, but he's going to get another week uh, to go out there because they need all the pass-catching help they can possibly get. Yeah, and maybe you know go out and even if you don't want him, again, players being successful, I know this is a, you know, no, no kidding, Scott. Thank you, Captain Obvious. But playing being successful is good for you even if they're not going to be part of your team, even if they're not mm-hmm. part of your plans, them having some success and showcasing them helps. Maybe I can move him and get something for him out of it in the off season. You know, if somebody else falls in love with that and looks at his college stats and says, he had 23 touchdowns at Missouri and he can still run a move like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm real interested. Mike Woodward coming. This is good morning, everyone. Um, James Webb, top of the morning to you. Nick, I have another question from a player who seems to have had a revival in the last couple of weeks. We've asked this several times, and our answer has changed throughout the season. Where, is, where do we stand now on Jerry Judy's fifth-year option? Okay, so there's a lot of nuance in terms of the – they changed how the fifth-year option works um, recently, and I have to do a little digging on this. But my understanding, there is a playtime um, – slot uh, for how many games or how many snaps you've played. Uh, I think it's how many games you've played that can be add different tiers to that fifth year option. And given how much time Jerry Judy has missed, he's going to have the cheapest version of the fifth year option afforded to him this year. And I think it's only about maybe it's 15 million or 12 million uh, guaranteed over. It's pretty low uh, compared to what some of those other fifth year options are. So right now I think I am on the uh, fifth year option for Jerry Judy. Uh, I think that this team is needs enough help on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that you can't be afford uh, giving up on those players. Also, the tag on wide receivers is insane. It's not like we're talking about a running back here or something where like the fifth-year option is more expensive than the tag. It goes up <laughs> by unbelievable amount tagging mm-hmm. a wide receiver. Um, so I think right now this is a very much a fifth-year option. Now, Jerry Judy had a fine game this week, uh, not really the most explosive. Uh, the efficiency was not there. What do you have? We have... Seven receptions, 38 yards on eight targets. He's catching out. a lot of short passes, including one that was skipped to his feet on the line of scrimmage. I'm like, Jerry, drop that. It's going to hurt your average, and Nick's going to get on you for it. <laughs> no, I saw that. That was a good one um, by him, and he did have one that also bounced at him. Russell Wilson had a few good quick game ones. I thought he was better in the quick game this week than we'd seen in a bit. I agree. Uh, but, I like, agree. We, we had not seen that very much from him this season, so um, that was looking better. Uh, but, yeah, no, d- definitely right now I'm on the – use the fifth year option on Jerry Judy um, from what we've seen. My biggest issue, again, some of the maturity stuff, his best game of the year was that last, the best game of his career was that last Kansas city game. And he was this close. And what is the movie sliding doors, whatever from being ejected from that game for losing his cool and bumping the ref. probably should have been can't have that. Can't yeah, have probably that. should have been. Um, and then you also have the injuries uh, that he's dealt with. Um, that's a concern with him, but you need talent. Wide receivers are very expensive. Um, and also you get that extra year of, contractual control where maybe let's say you're still having some issues with him next season. You maybe can get some value trading him uh, rather than just letting him walk. So um, I think you got to pick up the fifth year option right now. Um, I agree. Um, And for me, it's, it's a pretty easy one. And in just watching him play, he's a guy who, you know, I kind of call it little man's disease. He's a little undersized and he plays with an oversized attitude. You know, he plays on the edge of that and that's part of his game. So, either learn to live with it or you move on. And when he's being productive and the team's going well, 
he's going to be great. That that fire and that edge is going to be great when it's not going well. It's he's going to be pretty miserable to be around. Well, you know what you've got there. Um, and for me, it's a I'm a I'm a definite yes for me on this one. I'd pick it up. And uh, Jetty says pick up his fifth year option. Um, he's that good. He and I think he can be again. He plays with such emotion when he's out there. You can you can see it that there's big swings. You know, I need Tim Patrick as my steady. Uh, and that's that's what we're missing out there right now. Um, but I don't mind having a guy like Judy out there who's bringing something a little different from a skill point of view. And he he's an emotional emotional player. I'm okay with that. Um, but he says dropping has- Judy and hiring a worse coach would be a uh, Broncos thing to do. Uh, Jetty, I bring that one up because when we're talking about the fifth year option, that's for twenty. Oh golly, twenty twenty four. He's still in his, he's finishing up his third year, and this isn't just for you. This is for everybody that might not quite understand all of the contract situation. You have to pick up his fifth year option before his fourth year. Yep. So, kind of like Josh Jacobs with the Raiders this year, if you don't pick it up, you still have him under contract for his fourth year, and you still have that entire window to negotiate a new contract for him. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're dropping him, and you can also trade him during that time. But based on you have him for one year, no matter what. If you pick up his fifth year option, you've got him for two years. Mm-hmm. And I think, based on the salaries of wide receivers, it is a pretty safe gamble to pick up his fifth year option, even if you want to put him on the trading block. You know, quietly. Yeah. You know, hey, he's available. Uh, what do you want to want to give for him? Because you know, Russell. You know, let's say we talked about uh, Christian Kirk. You know, yeah. twenty million a year, Russell gauge who here raise your hand in here if you know who russell gauge is russell gauge got a 15 million a year deal uh as a third wide receiver with tampa yep. he, he's not as good as jerry judy he's a little no. more professional right than now. jerry judy but he's five years older than him yeah. um and he's had to fight for it a lot more than than jerry judy has yep. 15 million a year for jerry judy for one more season yeah pick that yep. thing up even if you even if you want to maybe put him on the trading block. 100%. We're not putting Doug Freeland on the trading block. You were there for a second, and then Scott took you out. No, we want to say hello to some people on here. Doug, cute dog pick. We appreciate you. Happy New Year. Good morning. Gatorade Gaming's in here as well, saying morning, Broncos country. Always good to see you coming in here, uh, Gatorade Gaming. We got Mark coming in, saying howdy. Scott, Nick, and Broncos country. Our guy, Dave Glassman, in the house, saying morning, gentlemen. Heart Jerry mm-hmm. Rosberg. Yeah, Jerry Rosberg's been fun to listen to, man. I've He's one that, uh, you know, put a few drinks in him and sit around the table for a bit and just talk old ball uh, with him for a while. It'll be a lot of fun. We got Alabama Chagrin coming in saying Merry New Year. Looks like we can play with anybody with the right coaching staff in place. Give me Harbaugh. I do want to – God, I'm such a Debbie Downer in here. There's such a thing as a – uh, the interim coach bump that we tend to see where teams like kind of fight a little bit harder because the stakes have been, uh, you know, everything's been shook up. Oh my God, we got to fight for our spot. We can't be complacent here that you see after one game. I mean, Jeff Saturday won their first game pretty convincingly. Uh, Steve Wilkes is still writing, although he should probably be back in Carolina. That's a name actually that we haven't talked about much in here. If the Carolina Panthers move on from Steve Wilkes. Yes, please. Um, I would be, I'd be very excited about him in Denver. Talk about a second time head coach who got shafted uh, that one season in Arizona. Um, but talking about the uh, the one game I, I this is just one game and we say it all the time this is especially true for something that's somebody that's not on the field um Jerry Rosberg and this coaching staff in general they look better it's a one game sample size you don't want to make too much out of that you don't want to base your future or decisions on one game 
And the other part of that, Nick, and appreciate you coming in Alabama, Shagreen. That feels like a new name. So welcome. Hit that subscribe button so you, if you haven't already, and we'll hope to see you again. Um, talking about Rossberg, I forgot completely what he was going to say. You're talking about a one-game bump, as one I was making sure to say hello to our community. Um, I forgot what I was going to say because I've been thinking about this comment from Montana Altitude as well, coming in with uh, with a yellow super. Appreciate you. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. We must be sure to have a safe contract with a new head coach and avoid the Peyton Wilson debacle. The thing is, from a monetary point of view, it's not going to be a safe contract. It's going to be a, you're going to get a lot of criticism for the rest of the NFL for resetting the market, I think, for for a head coach. If you get somebody like uh, Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, it's going to be $15 million plus eight years it's going to be a it's going to be a nine-figure contract um bet on it because harbaugh is already making 11 and change at michigan um if you really want it, the only thing that holds michigan the the contracts down in the ncaa for teams like michigan texas alabama is how high are we willing to go before we start getting kickback from taxpayers the university students etc cetera, etc cetera, because their funds are unlimited I mean, yeah. they're unlimited. Yeah. Um, they've got all the money without the expenses of those player salaries. Yeah. Um, it ain't going to be a safe contract from a monetary point of view. It's going to be a nine-figure contract. But the only risk involved there comes to the Walton Penner Group. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be – there's no salary cap for coaches. Just for the guys out there getting hurt on the field, that's where we have to restrain our costs. Yeah. Uh, there's no salary cap for that. So all that matters is what you're paying out. And that comes out of your billionaire owner's checkbook. There's no financial fair play. There's no salary cap. It just becomes a drain on their wallet. And frankly, that wallet is just about unlimited. So don't worry too much about that, about a safe contract. Because to get a Harbaugh, it ain't going to be safe. No. To lure them out and buy be It's going to be astronomical. (laughs) And you're going to get criticism for it because the rest of the owners around the league are going to talk to their little buddies in the media and say we don't want this. They're really, you know, they're 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 pushing, they're out, they're pu- pushing other people out of the market, and they're upping the thing. And think about the children and the old people and the health and all that kind of stuff. You wait, you'll hear all of that. And I'm going to remember this. 36 minutes on January 2nd. I'm going to post this again if the Broncos go out and set a a market setting contract. And I'm going to put all of the links in there where. The Baltimore Ravens owner is complaining about spending too much money, and the Cleveland Browns is, oh man, this was this was a uh, this was a what do you call it? an unreliable? That's not a word. Unrealistic, still not the right word. Unprecedented, irresponsible. irresponsible. This was an irresponsible contract from the Denver Broncos. Probably, um, that's you know kicking and screaming there. But what can you get do? ready for it? It's coming. Yep. yep. If the Broncos get Harbaugh, um, mm-hmm. hopefully they don't do that with a Dan Quinn. Uh, Greg Smith, top of the morning. Good to see you, Greg. Hopefully the holidays are uh, doing well for you, given everything you're dealing with right now. We got our guy Patrick coming in here saying, morning, gents. Brewing up some Kona. Oh, God. So good. Um, anticipation of draft coverage this offseason, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Anyway, here is being one day closer to relevance. Um, God, I, Patrick, and you guys are going to hear me say this uh, a couple times on here. I've started to do the work on the offensive tackle class. And I got to say, I am not impressed um, with the offensive tackle class uh, from the guys that I've watched. I think that Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle for the Ohio State Buckeyes, is far and away uh, the number one offensive tackle in this class for me. 
Um, I think Peter Skronsky, if he has sub 32 inch arm length, he's going to play guard or center. I mean, that's just, you don't see those guys play there in the NFL. I think there's one starting offensive tackle that has sub 33 inch arm length out there, which sounds crazy, but I mean, it's just the reality of the position, especially with how some of the freaks that you see out there on the uh, defensive line, those pterodactyls. Uh, so Peter Skronsky, I don't know if he's a tackle in the league for me. Then you have Broderick Jones and Broderick Jones at Georgia and Anton Harrison at uh, Oklahoma. Both talented players. I think Broderick Jones is more upside, uh, but he's really hard to evaluate at Georgia because they run very tight sets with their offensive line, and they almost run almost exclusively two tight ends, so they never really have that wide uh, go in the pat drop back pass game. He's a hard evaluation for me. I mean, you run two tight ends too if you had two of them like that. Oh yes, but if, <laughs> for isolating the prospect, it's hard. Um, he's very raw. I think he's going to be bad uh honest to god bad year one in pass protection because he's so raw there and anton harrison at oklahoma he he looks like pure left tackle to me um haven't seen the right tackle reps but i i've heard there's some concerns there about him flipping so not the best uh tackle class not the best center class we'll see um they need to spend on offensive line before they uh in free agency before they even think about the draft well and in, in, in the draft you can hit the interior line in the middle rounds you know mm-hmm. the, i think the highest graded uh, offensive tackle, rookie offensive tackle in the league right now is Braxton Jones. I think he went in the f- fifth. That was our guy, uh, Southern Utah. Yeah, somewhere in there. And it was a guy we liked coming out, long mm-hmm. arms. He was probably, I think he he feels to me like he was a little shorter, mm-hmm. like 6'4", maybe, and not the 6'7", beast, yep. um, with really long arms. So he had the traits and great feet, showed really well at the Senior Bowl. I'm waiting for guys like that to come out, Nick. I can't wait to go to the Senior Bowl and to the Shrine Bowl uh, and, and see some of these guys that in a – it's a controlled environment. You know, that's the difference is, you know, we talk about stats and schemes. Put them in a controlled environment where you can see everybody doing the same thing that translates to football. And who's doing it better? Now, that doesn't give you 100%. There is no 100%. But when I see Braxton Jones out there and the way he can move in space, the length of his arms – holding his own. Then I wait for his pro day and combine and I check the numbers and I'm like, yeah, I check all those boxes. He held up against good competition. He's got great measurables, all those type of things. Hey, he's pretty good football player. No kidding. Funny how that stuff works. Appreciate you coming in, Patrick. Finished my brew this morning, this morning. Deanna Hendry coming in as well. Coming in Broncos orange. Happy new year to you as well, Deanna. Says morning, Scott, Nick, and Broncos country. That's all y'all. I think it's going to be Harbaugh, but if not, then Quinn. Well, I'll tell you what, Deanna was fan one on the fire Hackett bandwagon, and I think she willed it into action. So she says it's going to be Harbaugh. Who am I to say it's not going to be? Yeah. I mean, God, that's uh, Deanna's helping uh, get us to there. Um, just start using the, some of the super chats to the Broncos. No, the ownership group doesn't need any help. Actually. I take that back, Deanna. Um, we'll, we'll take the, uh, the super chats here and I appreciate all the support, uh, coming in here. And we have another super chat coming in from John Clay Evington saying morning gents, my favorite MHH team, uh, saying, I suggested the other day that Eric trickle, that the Penner group would offer Harbaugh seven year, $198 million contract. I got roasted by Eric thoughts. I can't imagine them paying the him that much. Um, especially the years on that, I could see like six year, uh, 20 million per year, um, kind of thing here. But I think the big thing with Harbaugh, it's not just the money, it's the control. Um, and that's a big part of this. Well, we already see George Payton has rescinded some power also for how good, uh, George Payton has been, uh, for his draft class two years ago, the draft class this past season is coming up smelling like 
crap right now. I mean, it's one year. I know they didn't have their first and second round pick, but like uh, we talked about it, the Broncos pass rush this last game uh, against the Chiefs, horrible. The only time they even got close to Patrick Mahomes was when they blitzed. And I know they were without DJ Jones, Draymond Jones, Baron Browning, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory. Of course, they're going to look bad. You also have your second round pick out there, Nick Benito, who maybe got close once and was getting power lifted uh, in the run game. Just horrible in that game. You have... Uh, who else is out there in this Broncos draft? It's Montreal Washington being inactive, healthy scratch out there. Fifth round pick. Um, I know, oh, it's a fifth round pick. It can't be a bust. If you're drafting somebody who's purely a special teams returner in the middle of the fifth round, that's a freaking bust. You're not drafting a developmental offensive lineman or a quarterback or wide receiver. You're drafting a niche specialist and he's healthy scratch. That's a bust. And Falcons then you trade up that for- last Falcons did that last year in the seventh round with Avery Williams. He's and awesome. Avery Williams is an alternate pro bowler. And he's awesome. Good yes. pick. Yep. That's a bust in the special teams realm. Uh, it's year one, so we're not writing that in pen yet, but not good. Um, and the other one here, um, trading up for Luke Wattenberg in the fifth round. Now, that's a developmental one, but you have Quinn Bailey getting the start. When Dalton Reisner gets hurt, who comes in for left guard? Not the guy you traded up for in the fifth round. Um, you you bring in a street free agent, uh, really poor tackle um, and Quinn Bailey, and he was better than Luke Wattenberg. So again, Peyton, not a great draft class right now for this last year. Dulcich you, and Mathis excluded. You like to talk a lot about, you know, the coming back to the norm. So mm-hmm. Peyton was lauded for his first draft pick. And you also, I remember you saying that's not sustainable year to year. Well, here it is. You know, it, it is, you, you can do things again. I, I made it sound like it's real easy and, and everything. It, it's not, there's, there's no sure thing in the draft for sure. Mm-hmm. There's ways that you can hedge your bets and you you try and hit on more than you miss but there is no sure thing in the draft you're dealing with people not computer programs with a number next to their name in in madden mm-hmm. um but uh but john clay coming in you know saying 7 198 i don't know that they'd go that high that's no. almost three times more than the next one if i have to pay and, and and for me it's not that they don't have the money but if i have to pay somebody that much to come or they're not going to come their heart's not in it they yeah. then they don't they don't want to come um, and that's what it's going to boil down to with Jim Harbaugh isn't money. Cause he's loaded. He's, he's, he's going to be making nine figures. He made a ton of money as a, as a, like a 17 year NFL guy with his pension and all that stuff. He's going to make nine figures as a, as a college football coach and an NFL coach. It's not necessarily about money for him. And if I have to pay you that much to come, your heart's not in it. So I don't, I don't think it'll be that much. Um, could you say 10 years, 150 million guaranteed? Yeah. I could see 15 million a year or shorten that down and say, you know, six, I think 15 to 17 million a year is going to end up being the sweet spot for this yep. six, seven years. Do the math on that. I think that's going to be about right. Um, which will put you into the 105 million range. Um, 200 million. Again, for me, it's not the money. Harbaugh's rich. The Walton Penner group is wealthy. It's not going to come down to dollars and cents on this one. That's, that's my opinion on it. And Todd comes in with a with a comment. Good morning, Todd. That reminded me of where I blanked out about ten minutes ago with these, you know, senior moments I seem to be having. I did get my ARP invitation in the mail. There's a gut punch. <laughs> the disappointing part of it has been that with the record we had last year and adding a top QB, the expectations were that we would be in the playoffs again, and that was going to be my point, Nick, about the warm and fuzzy feeling about Rossberg right now and why. A play uh, the it might be easier to bring a guy in despite the fact that no one wants to take the job. Your expectations are in the freaking tank. 
competency yeah. and you're feeling good about things. You know, this wasn't that dissimilar a loss than you had to the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. The feeling's yeah. different. It's a new regime. There's hope. All of that type yeah. of thing. So next year, the expectations have been reset to let's play better football yeah. as opposed to Super Bowl or bust, Nick. Yep. Um, in the words of one of my all-time favorite tweets um, from Mike Gundy responding to the report that a runner in Colorado uh, strangled a mountain lion that was attacking him to save his life. Compete. I think that's the big one here that you want this season. You want to have some competition. Hopefully that'll start with the quarterback uh, playing better and the head coach establishing a better culture in that locker room there being a guy. Uh, Deanna coming back in uh, $20 saying we need an offensive line. With that said, uh, the way they played yesterday showed a huge problem was Hackett. Happy New Year. Again, I don't one game sample size. Um, it's really hard to draw too much conclusion from a one game sample size. I'd like to use last year's example of the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Buffalo Bills of what was it, nine to six in that one game in Jacksonville last year? Anything Being can happen. Break off the Cowboys. Oh, Broncos. Then, yeah. That's and then getting swept by the Raiders. Yep. So one game sample size, the Broncos played the Chiefs tough this year. Hopefully that can instill some confidence in the guys that are back next season. You know, that it's not some monumental thing. We can hang with these guys and punch in their weight class when we play good football. Uh, but um, definitely coaching has been an issue in here. It's something that's going to improve drastically next season. And you're going to see it all season, uh, all off season, I think, from uh, the big uh, sports talking heads that the Broncos are a massive positive regression candidate next year because of improved coaching injuries, one score games, turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. These things should all, uh, these, all these factors point to the Broncos being a better team other than what their record is this year. And then therefore being a team with a positive regression. And I see some talking here about the defensive line. There's some, a little bit of debate in here about it, whether it's okay, whether it's not, you need more defensive linemen. And depending on what Draymond Jones does, you might need a couple defensive lineman you can tag him that's still a lot of money to drop on Draymond Jones for one for one year I yeah. still think that's a risk I'm not uh add the option for Jerry Judy yes 20 million dollars for Draymond Jones I'm not there yet Nick uh that one's that one's still a little bit more questionable for me I would certainly try and approach him with a contract first uh and Gatorade Gaming comes in he says Washington was a Stukes pick supposedly and um <clears throat> I didn't see the inactives or anything before the game as I was watching. I was like, I wonder if he was inactive. This has to be a interim coach who was a special teams guy decision. And Hinton looked good back there. Yeah. Um, did a good job. Um, but I'm going to take a little bit of issue with this because when you're the general manager, they're all your picks. Yeah. If you are, you own them. They're your picks. Peyton would tell you the same thing. Now, yeah. he, if he said, I, and if he says, you know, I, I may have listened too much to the guys and acquiesced too much of what I believed was the right thing to do at the time. That's your fault. That's your fault. I said the same thing earlier about Hackett. You know, if if you're you're the one whose ass is on the line, I mean, Stukes is gone too, but if you're giving in and doing all of those things when you're in charge, who, who gets the blame? I'm not blaming Stukes for picking Montreal Washington. He's not the one turning into that draft card. It's George Payton. That's yep. a George Payton pick. And I'm not saying it was even a bad pick yet, but the draft is George Payton's draft. Until you prove yep. to me otherwise that he was completely handcuffed by ownership, which is impossible because ownership has changed. Yep. Yeah, no. Uh, you're 
buck stops there with the general manager in terms of the draft and everything like that. Unless you have the situation where the head coach has uh, more power and final roster say, um, but uh, that it's not the case yet in Denver. Elliot D coming in $2 saying Russ looking like CJ Anderson out there. Yeah. Getting back into this game a little bit. Cause we obviously talking more overarching stuff, but I really love the run design from this game and the Broncos actually, they were showing an offense that I had been hoping for a lot this season. Now the sacks were not great. The Broncos interior offensive line, given how many injuries they've had, have been horrible in uh, Scott's going to roll his eyes. Simulated pressures, you know, where a guy's coming and going, they, they're terrible at identifying um, who their blocking assignment is and getting free rushers through that line in those uh, third and long situations. But the run design this game um, for the Broncos was phenomenal. I thought that because of the threat of Russell Wilson with some of those power looks um, with him being out there, caused the edges to be a little bit softer, created some holes between the line of scrimmage. And the Broncos finished with a pretty efficient rushing attack uh, today. 24 carries, 117 yards, and 4.9 yards per rush. Also going two for two in the red zone. So uh, I, th- I was thought I saw some hope in this game from the the rushing attack. And also when the run game was effective, then you saw some play action um, set up there. The Broncos took some sh- deep shots off of play action. I agree that uh, this team does need to continue to invest in the offensive line, but this screams a Jim Harbaugh style offense, uh, I think would be the best for Russell Wilson. Uh, not this empty set, you know, 10 personnel, five wide receiver, quick pass game, but rather power run deep drops off a of play action. You know what? Oh, Russell Wilson can't see over the line of scrimmage on a deep play action drop. You got, it's just all angles, right? You can see better if you're way back there off the play action. Um, and then uh, throwing the deep ball off of those. So that's what, looking like for me, but shout out to Justin Outen first game as the offensive play caller. So the play calling was fine. Get one game sample size, uh, but the run designs I thought were as good as we've seen this season. And uh, speaking of shout outs for, you know, Latavius Murray, who's coming and been a really good mid season, cheap pickup uh, chase Edmonds off someone else's practice squad. Or that was a trade. That was a, that was a trade with uh, the dolphins at, at the end. Wasn't it chase Edmonds? Oh yes. He was a chase Edmonds contract was, yeah throw in because the money to offset that's right you had to have money offset with the Bradley Chubb he's been solid there. he's been solid so I'd feel pretty good about a healthy Javante Latavius and Chase as my running back room next year uh it's still it would still be about four million dollars for that bunch uh Chase Edmonds contract is massive um oh, is it be... still okay for some reason I thought he was he's he's expendable though he's he's got no dead cap yeah, I would be shocked if he's back on his contract because it's yeah. like 7.5 or 8 one. million or something. Um, but Chase Edmonds, if he wants to come back for a cheaper deal um, or a two-year deal where they're paying you more guaranteed money on that because all that guarantees on Miami's side, then great. Mm-hmm. But his contract is bloated considering the injury history and how much we've seen of him. Um, so I would be shocked if he's back at his contract. Now, when we talk about um, extensions, why don't we just extend Russ? Because that we we talk about that just you know as a as a reflex or a restructure. Why don't we just restructure? Because you have to have some leverage to restructure. Either you want them to come back for a little bit longer, or uh, you've got leverage. And his contract next year is um, five point six with a dead cap of zero. So you cut him, you don't owe him anything. Remember me talking about the inequities between players and coaches? There you go. You cut him, you don't you don't owe him anything. So that is a is a restructure candidate. Okay, well we'll give you three, or we'll cut you. But there's when we talk about available money in the salary cap, there's six million right there, and yeah. I can replace him with a six round draft pick making three hundred thousand dollars. So there's six yeah. million dollars. Uh, 
Michael Ranquillo is our $6 million man coming in saying Jim Harbaugh might want a GM role with the Broncos and the head coach. Thoughts, Nick and Scott. Nick, I'll let you take a stab at this first. It does sound like it's not the GM role, so to speak, but you're going to have final say on roster decisions. You know, who's who makes the final call on players and evaluations. A lot of times you'll have the coaching staff be more on the pro personnel side of things versus the college personnel. But, you know, first round pick, whatever they want to make sure they're getting a guy that fits what they want to do, the culture fit and have the final say on that. So power dynamic this one sets up as is there's others in the league that set up like this but if you brought in harbon he wanted player personnel power it would be essentially what you had in with the raiders with john gruden and mike mayock where mayock you know did a lot of the evaluations at the scouting department you know asking with the coaches what they want but when the team is on the line who's making the final decision or when the team's on the on the clock it was the head coach and john gruden um so i think that's how it would set up if you brought in harbaugh i think i'd be okay with that um you know, if that's what it took to get Jim Harbaugh and he's does enough of that type of thing from the evaluation point of view with recruiting, um, he's got NFL head coaching experience and has won with various quarterbacks and stuff. So it's again, this is this is a well-rounded coaching candidate who's done a little bit of everything at different levels and been successful wherever he's been. Now, the right guy, Michael, is going to and this might be the end of George Payton is going to have his guy that he trusts making those evaluations and recommendations. And then he just rubber stamps them. So he's not spending all of his time scouting players and all these type of things. And it'll be a team. I mean, it's this whole scouting department and everything, but he's almost head coach, president of football operations. Uh, your general manager still handles most of that thing if you trust him. And that would be a, a big sticking point to getting uh, Jim Harbaugh. Clinton Watson, speaking of sticky, coming in with a super sticker. Appreciate you, appreciate you, uh, my friend. Uh, coming in blue with a super sticker. Thank you very much for uh, for doing that, Nick. We're at fifty six. We're winding up right here. Yeah. Um, you know, final thoughts. Kind of moving into uh, the off season. We got one more game left to go, don't we? So, we have one more speaking game. of which. The San Francisco 49ers, that pick is going to be in flux based on how the 49ers do. Uh, the Denver Broncos pick headed to Seattle. I almost hate to bring it up. Looks like it could still go as high as number two. Will probably end up being a uh, a three. Probably. Um, I think the Broncos are going to have a chance against the Chargers at home this week. Uh, the Chargers seems like no matter what the records are, the Broncos always play the Chargers very tough. The Broncos lost a game on terrible special teams and play after the first quarter from the offense in general uh, versus this Chargers game, uh, the first Chargers game. So we'll see. Uh, and also, are the Chargers going to be playing for anything at that point? Uh, the, I'm not sure what the playoff scenarios are. They're not going to win the AFC West. Um, I'm curious if their wild card slot will be already solidified. Um, so we'll be curious to see how that plays out. Maybe they're going to be somewhat resting guys uh, for that game as well. Keith coming in here saying, does Harbaugh's bowl record make you nervous? No. Um, he's done a good job everywhere he's gone. And if you're losing constantly in the championship games, that means that you've stepped on, you press all the right buttons on the way to those kind of big situations. So Broncos aren't even close to being in those situations right now. So definitely looking for somebody who can take you to that next level. And Harbaugh's done that no matter where he's gone. Yeah. I kind of think a good example for this uh, similar would be old Marty Schottenheimer with the, with the chargers. Wasn't that who was, you could yeah. never quite get over the hump. Wouldn't it be nice if that was your only problem right now? You know, your yeah. biggest problem was we keep falling short in the AFC championship game. 
okay. <laughs> I mean, that would be a that would be good problems to have right now. You got such a long way to go. If you get five or six years of Harbaugh and you lose, you know, three consecutive times in the Super Bowl or AFC Championship, then maybe you move on and try and do something else. That'd be a pretty good problem to have over the course of the next five to six years of a contract that you would have on there. Uh, Deanna says, I think a restructure should be on the table. Restructure for whom? Um, we were talking about Edmonds earlier, so help us out with that one and we'll we'll address it. But I agree it's worth giving the GM to Harbaugh to get him. Uh, yeah, like president of football operations slash head coach would make a lot of sense. And frankly, where you are right now as a franchise, I would be okay with that. I, I really would. It's not like you're bringing in, you know... <sighs> a first time head coach or someone like that. He's, he's got a pretty good resume of player evaluation and recruitment, which is half the job in free agency um, yeah. evaluation for the draft. What you don't want to do is have anybody in there. You, you never want them in there uh, handling contracts. You, you don't yeah. want your coach doing that type of thing. You got people for that. There's where your general manager comes in too. Oh, uh, Wilson with a restructure. Um, again, he has no, you've got no leverage against Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, he's owed a bunch of money. You don't want to extend it. That's usually where a, a restructure come in. So take, take, uh, I was going to use Garrett Bowles as an example. Um, that might not be the best example. Justin Simmons, maybe, but typically if he's owed 18 and you want to lower his cap number, you pay him off 18 as a bonus. Okay. I'm going to give you $18 million, but I'm going to extend you. So now you got four years left on your contract. That's basically a four-year deal. I pay that 18. I lower the cap number. I take that 18 million year owed this year. I turn it into four and a half million a year over the next four years. Give you a $2 million base salary. You get paid 20 this year. I escalate your pay the next few years. I just lowered my cap hit by $10 million. Yep. But I just extended him. I, I'm, I'm now on the hook longer where right now, Russell Wilson only has a $22 million cap hit next year. If you're doing a restructure, it's to pay him off more. As Nick has said, it's the reverse. It's to give him a raise now so he's easier to get away from next year. Mm -hmm. Typical restructures. And that's basically saying, we don't want you after next year. Um, so a restructure, as we typically think of them, isn't really feasible for, for Russell Wilson. Yeah. And the one that, example that makes sense for Broncos countries, we just saw it this last year with Graham Glasgow. Uh, Graham Glasgow was owed, what was it, like? 15 million or something ridiculous. And the Broncos lowered that uh, cap hit and extended the deal by a year. Um, so that way it was much more feasible to keep him on contract. And the Broncos had all the leverage because the guarantees were not that high on his contract. And you could see that again this year. Do you want Graham Glasgow back on? Let's see. Cause he's, he's not playing on his contract next year. No way. Cause it's similar money. It's, it's yeah. like $16 million uh, is what there, there's no friggin' way that's coming back. So I He's love got a fourteen million dollar dead yeah. cap hit. I mean, a fourteen million dollar cap hit against a three million dollar dead cap hit. Um, I could offer you a restructure, which would basically say I'll give you three million dollars that would be my dead cap hit, or I'm going to cut you. Yep. Graham would probably say I'll come back if he wants to play again. He's made enough money; he doesn't have to play. Yeah. He might say, I'll come back for three million because that's what my market value is. I'm not getting more than that anywhere else, and I want to be a Bronco. But you've got to have leverage over a guy like that. And you don't have any leverage over Russell Wilson this early in the contract yep. um, that uh, that he just extended. Yeah, and I like Glasgow as your 
he needs to be a depth guy. Uh, he can play all three interior spots and he's uh, considered a very good uh, locker room uh, presence as well. But if he's penciled in as a starter, that's a, that's an uh Oh uh, for me. So that's one that uh, consider there. It also depends on what scheme you want to run uh, with him. I think he's much better in the inside zone power gap scheme versus the outside zone. Cause he just doesn't have the, the movement skills at this point in his career. Um, but right now I'm thinking it's more likely no on Glasgow, unless for sure you can get him at that you are an obvious uh, backup on three different spots in the interior kind of contract. And that's something also we talk about here, not to take it down a totally different path, but why isn't Calvin Anderson playing? Why won't the Broncos bring back Calvin Anderson? If you are a backup quality offensive lineman, you need to play at least three spots on the line of scrimmage, uh, three different spots. Calvin Anderson pretty much can only play left tackle. There's not a very big market for a backup only left tackle out there. (laughs) That's a, not a great, uh, not a great thing. If you're a backup lineman, uh, one of the best things you can do if you have a young offensive lineman in your life or somebody like that, cross train, cross train, cross train. You need to play multiple spots out there. Um, Dimitri vigil coming in $5 saying Denver needs to set their goals on getting someone like Eric B or Frank Reich and not a pipe dream like Harbaugh or Sean Payton. The Waltons have crazy money and, uh, why not have a pipe dream to start? Uh, you can always dial back and you know, we'll hear you're already seeing it with Sean Payton. Oh, the Broncos interested in Sean Payton from the NFL people. The people in Denver are like, oh, no, uh, Sean Payton's not really not that good. Um, you know, he's maybe he's overrated. Uh, he left the team high and dry out there, blah, blah, blah. You're already seeing it. Um, the I don't want to call it a spin, but, you know, that, that narrative is out there because in my read on this is Sean Payton has already said thanks, but no thanks uh, mm-hmm. to the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. Oh, now the people connected to the Broncos are questioning how good of a coach uh, Sean Payton is. <laughs> round and round. We, we never go. offered him anyway. Yeah, we, yeah, it's like, uh, do you like me? Yes or no? No. Oh, she's ugly. I never, I, like you I was anyway. never interested. Um, Those grapes were sour. That, that's as old as, old as a yeah. time. Um, one thing I want you all to pay attention to, though, and I've learned this from soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you are the big money team, you are going to be linked by every agent for every client in the world. Yeah. Even if the Broncos have never called, or at least if I've got an email, I'm on their mailing list. Yeah, my guys heard from the Denver Broncos because they know the Denver Broncos can pay more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So in negotiations with the Arizona Cardinals, yeah, we, we got the Denver Broncos on the phone too. So why don't you bump that up another two and a half per season? Get ready for that. That's going to happen as well. Uh, and why not go for Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton? Why not? What, yeah. what do you have to lose? They turned you down. Oh, we look bad. So what? You look bad now. Go for it, man. Yeah. Go for it. Are you worried about who you're going to lose? If they were my plan B, I'm not that worried about losing them anyway. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but final but thoughts. Go for it, Dimitri. Why not? Yeah, you got, you don't have anything to lose. Um, speaking about nothing to lose, 50 pounds coming in from Ethan saying, as always, good show, guys. Bulls would be the guy I want to restructure. I think the Broncos will approach Garrett Bowles with the restructure. Um, if he doesn't accept it, he very much could be on the chopping block. Um wasn't playing great this season at the left tackle spot, given his uh, money and you could free up a lot of cash from, I think it's probably one more season before you have that conversation of releasing him slash trading him uh, where the contract sets up. But it's definitely one that is questionable right now. And you see, this is way more often. uh, This happens way more often when a guy is injured and misses a lot of time and you see what, Oh, we survived without him and we could have all this cash. I mean, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, it's the same conversation you're probably going to have with uh, Darby uh, this season at cornerback. So I would approach him with a restructure as well. We'll see if he'd be interested in that early indication is that maybe not as interested in a restructure, but you know, things change. Uh, 
Also, the fact that the Broncos maybe put a little bit of a hiatus on contract negotiations with George Payton there halfway through the season maybe slowed some things down as well. So uh, we'll see. I, I agree with you, Ethan. They'd be uh, and Ethan, I agree too. The question becomes how long, when you restructure, you're going to need an extension. So how long do I want Garrett Bowles as my left tackle? Frankly, I, I don't have to have him next year. I save $10 million. It's only an $8 million dead cap hit. That's not a lot. Um, and, and then he's just got one more year after that, 2024, where he's got a $20 million dead cap hit against a $4 million dead cap hit. 20 so million savings. He's not playing on that contract. No. <laughs> so, but you, you can, you can, that's $16 million. So, you know, his cap hit next year is not all that bad. But so you ask yourself, if I extend him, do I want any of his dead cap money on my books in 2025 when we're really ready to go for this thing? Or do I eat it now? That, that becomes a question. And I think you probably, you can probably be safe in saying, yeah, I wouldn't mind him being a Denver Bronco for three more years. And then an extension makes a lot of sense. Yep. Appreciate yep. you, Ethan. Happy New Year, my friend. Yeah, happy New Year to all you guys. Uh, seeing the Broncos get screwed kind of with the refing in this one. It really comes down to there's biases in these refs and, uh, you know, league in general. And right now the Broncos are a bad team and the chiefs are a good team. If there's 50, 50 calls out there, guess who's going to get them. Uh, a lot of times it's not going to be the Broncos and they got to work through <laughs> to get through those. Um, and Jeff W saying, just put in a self checkout and save the money on the coaches. <laughs> let Russell Wilson call the plays. What do I need coaches for? Yeah, we saw that this season and the union <laughs> reps are going to get back to you on that one. Uh, but uh, That made me laugh, Jeff. That's funny. Yeah, that was a good call. Um, so yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap it on up here, Scott, uh, obviously this is a, the 10th moral victory of the season for the Broncos. Another one score loss covering the spread. Uh, I don't even know what to say about the, I mean, I guess the big loss in this game is the Broncos had a plus two turnover differential and then they end up being even, and that maybe costs you the game. Uh, the Russell Wilson strip sack terrible. And then the, the interception was the worst coming out right after the Chiefs scored a touchdown to give the chiefs the ball in plus territory. I mean, that's, that was a bad throw. I mean, it yeah. was, I'm, I'm kind of sliding to my left, throwing to my right into triple coverage. That triple was a coverage. horrible throw. Yeah. Uh, the last interception you're throwing it up. You, you actually probably saved a couple yards on fourth and seven. I'm not worried about that one. Um, so I'm, I'm not too worried about that one. Um, Again, that one can was Russell Wilson be better count. than what we've seen this year? Yes, I believe it can. Can the Denver Broncos improve their offensive line next year? Yes, I believe they can. Will, hopefully, Javante Williams comes back and is somewhat close to what he was, and I fully believe Tim Patrick will coming back will help this team a lot. Yep. Uh, will help this team a lot. So it's going to be a, it's still going to be a fun offseason with the Denver Broncos for sure. One more game. One more game. One more game. Maybe they can close out a winner and uh, close in this one. 15 game, 15 losses in a row to the Chiefs, but hey, like I always say, one game closer to ending that streak because it will happen eventually. Hopefully, I'm alive for it. But appreciate you guys coming in, uh, supporting us. Happy New Year! Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at BFB underscore Pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you drop a thumbs up uh, for everybody joining us today. And uh, if you're on Facebook, click those thumbs up at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle. As the ticker says there underneath, over on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to Mile High Huddle, like this show, like the channel, and share it on your social media platforms. Um, a lot of good Broncos coverage out there. Uh, we like to think we do it as good as anybody with a different perspective and our own takes. Uh, you know, I don't, we're not here. Scott and I are both 
not in the Denver market. So we're not driving everywhere, listening to sports talk. We're not uh, being influenced with those uh, influenced by anybody else's opinions. You know, each disclaimer opinions are our own. Um, but uh, make sure you're following us on the YouTube and we appreciate you guys. Happy new year to everybody coming in as well. Hopefully you've enjoyed the season with us kind of a, up and down season, maybe more down than up, but uh, you guys made it most of the ups for me. And uh, you as well, Scott, appreciate you um, coming in and working these mornings with me four days a week and filling in also for some of the evening shows. I have a blast doing it. Uh, final shout out to, uh, well, to, to all of y'all, but plus we've picked up 400 new subscribers on our YouTube channel in the last month. So wow. welcome if you're a new subscriber and are coming in and, and watching us live. Appreciate you being here. Hit us up in the comments. I like following those up. I'm sure there's some things I said that I may not have said as clearly or as accurately as I would have liked. And I don't mind being called out and going back and having those discussions. So uh, appreciate you coming in. I'll, I'll see you on YouTube for sure. Yeah, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning, bright and early. More to talk about this game, more to talk about the offseason. I'm sure we'll have some more news as well. And uh, you guys have a good one. Enjoy all the college bowl games today. I think we got Illinois versus Mississippi State kicking off soon. A Mike Leach Memorial game there. Um, we have the Rose Bowl today. We have the Cotton Bowl today. Uh, so some good some good college football games uh, to get us through today as well. One of the best weeks of sports, in my opinion, is this semifinals with these uh, big NFL games at the end of the season. So appreciate you guys. Continue to choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.